we left off reading in John chapter 19. Let me continue now. Verse number 18, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for the privilege we have to gather together here tonight in this place and think through these things. I pray you'd fill us with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit that I might do some semblance of justice to this astonishing story. I pray, Father, that you'd fill us all with your spirit, that we might hear and understand and believe and receive the glorious truth that is here. Lord, help us to see what was happening on that cross. Help us, Father, to remember it. Memorialize it tonight as we partake of the Lord's table at the end of our service. But uh, before then, look into our own hearts and, and think about how it applies to us. Help me, Father. Fill me with your spirit that I might preach right. I pray, Lord, today that I'd say nothing I ought not, but everything I should say I'd say uh, just as you want it said. And I pray there'd be no distraction. I pray, Father, that in these few moments as we look at your word, that you would speak to us. And I pray it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're here tonight because of the cross. The cross. We've sung about it. We've talked about it. It's that old cross where Jesus suffered and died. It's... It's the only reason we're here tonight. We think about it every single Lord's Day. We have a symbol of it on the wall behind us that we see every single Lord's Day. We, we normally include the communion service in our, in our Sunday services every week, and that whole service is meant to remind us of what took place on the cross. We're going to partake of it at the conclusion of tonight's service. And so the cross and remembrance of it is central. But on this night, Good Friday we find our thoughts even more laser-beam-like focused on the cross, don't we? Because it was on this day, a Friday, about 2,000 years ago, that Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and for me, that this thing we're thinking about really happened about 2,000 years ago. 
Now, there's all kinds of things we could talk about as we think about the cross. We could talk about the message of the cross. The Apostle Paul said the cross is our only message. Our only message, the sole topic of our preaching and teaching. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's the only thing he wanted to talk about was the cross. We might talk about the glory of the cross. We have nothing other than the cross in which to boast. It is our everything. It's the only reason that we have for anything. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, Paul wrote to the Galatians. We might talk about the reconciliation that took place there on that cross. We who were enemies of God, and that's all of us. We who were at enmity with God were reconciled. We were restored to a right relationship with Him by what took place on that cross. Ephesians 2.16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. We might take that whole thought of reconciliation a step further and talk about the peace, the peace that we have with God because of the cross. By him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 2. So many things we could talk about when we think about the cross. But I want you tonight to look backwards in time. Can you see it? I want you to look at it in your mind's eye. Can you see the cross? And can you see Jesus hanging thereon? What do you see there? What is happening there? I can see it in my mind's eye. I can see Jesus hanging there on. I can see that crown of thorns pressed into his head and blood dripping down his face. I can see the nails piercing his hands and his feet and blood flowing from those wounds as well. I see blood clotting and dripping to the ground from the horrible lacerations on his back, from the scourging that he had received just before the cross the hand of the Romans. I see the guards at the foot of the cross gambling away his little bit of possessions. I see two other men crucified, one on either side of him, and I listen to them speaking to Jesus. Jesus speaking to them. Can you see these things? I can see Jesus' lips moving as he speaks several times. I strain to hear what he says. I can hear him say something like this, and I marvel when I hear him say it. Father, Forgive them. I wonder at his kind words to the thief. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I choke back tears as I see him here in his dying moments, taking care of his mother. I'm amazed at that. Woman, behold thy son. I can't help but follow his upward gaze as he looks up to heaven and cries out in agony, Why hast thou forsaken me? I look around and I wonder if anybody's going to help. When he whispers, I thirst. And I can't help but fall on my knees and worship. As I see him do something that nobody else ever has, ever could, ever would do. 
And that's lay down his life voluntarily. Just decide, everything's done now. I fulfilled everything I needed to fulfill. Now I'm going to die. And just decide to do that. And I'm amazed and I'm awestruck as I see him push himself up and shout just before that with all his might, it is finished. I see his head slump forward in death and shortly thereafter I see a Roman soldier take a spear and thrust it into his side. I see blood and water flow out. Proof positive that he was at that moment dead. You see that? You see, I look on all that and I wonder. I wonder. How can we not wonder? It is such a unique scene in the history of the world. Never before it had anything like that happened. Never after it would it ever happen again. What was happening there? What exactly was happening on that cross? Well, I want to suggest three quick things that were happening there. And the first one is this. It might seem obvious to you, but it's important. A man was dying. A man was dying. Now, here's a truth that probably all of us will nod and say amen to, but we need to think about it for a minute. Jesus was and is the very Son of God. We know that, right? He was born of a virgin. He was without earthly father. As the angel told Mary, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. And therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That was Jesus. Of him Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before his birth. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus was and is Son of the Highest, the Son of God, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus was and is God. 100%. 100%. But here's another truth. He was something else. Jesus was and is man, human, 100%. Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That phrase, born of a woman, indicates to us his humanity. Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's all kinds of names that are used of Jesus in the Bible, all kinds of descriptions that are given of him. The Apostle John, when he opened up his, his gospel, the gospel of John, he, he referred to him as the Word. And notice what he said about the Word. When you hear that phrase, the Word, he's speaking about Jesus. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was God. He became man. He lived on this earth. And in doing so, he never became any less God. He was 100% God. And he was 100% man. He is 100% God. And 100% man. I say all that to say this. What was happening on that cross? What was happening on that cross was a man was dying there. That's what was happening there. Flesh and blood. No different than you and me. No different uh, than any of us. A man who felt pain 
Every other human being, uh, just the same. No different. The man on that cross felt just as you would hurt, just as you would struggle to breathe, just as you would bled, just as you would and died, just as you would. So that's the first thing that's happening on that cross. A man is dying there. Oh, but something else was happening there. A lamb was dying there. Lots of men die. The history of the Roman Empire is filled with crucifixions. Many, many people died. And so in one sense, Jesus' death was no different than anybody else's. But in another sense, in another wonderful sense, his death was very, very, very different. For he was not only a man, he was the Lamb. The one of whom John the Baptist had said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. For thousands of years, the years described in the Old Testament of our Bible, lambs had been sacrificed to atone for sin. Sin has only one penalty, you know, and that's death. All sin, regardless of whether we think it's big or small, has only one penalty, and that's death. That's not my judgment. It's God's. I'm not making that up. I'm not saying my opinion. It's God's. God is the one who said the soul that sins shall die. He is the one who said the wages of sin is death. From the very moment Eve first sinned, from the very moment Adam first sinned, death has been a required penalty for sin. And also from that very moment, God has accepted the death of a substitute as payment for that sin. That's why God clothed Adam and Eve with the bloody skins of an animal. And that's why lamb after lamb after lamb was slain in the Old Testament sacrificial system because God accepted the blood of the sacrifice as a substitute for the blood of the sinner. Can you imagine the blood that flowed in the temple? In that Old Testament system. But all those lambs were really just pointing to this day. To the day when the one lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus, would die once and for all sinners. So that's what was happening on that cross. God's perfect lamb was dying as a substitute for you and for me. My sins demanded hell. On him the judgment fell. Will you listen to the words of that song we just sang a moment ago? Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. My sin. Your sin. My every bitter thought. My every evil deed crowning your blood-stained brow. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds. For through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. This is the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took my blame, your blame, bore my wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. So what is happening on that cross? A man is dying. A lamb is dying. But there's one other thing that's happening on that cross. A hope is blooming. A hope is blooming. We also sang this tonight, O mighty cross, what throne of grace. He knew no sin, yet took my place. His sacrifice on Calvary has made the mighty cross a tree of life to me. A tree of life. Everywhere that his blood fell, hope sprouted and bloomed. Before the cross, there was only the looking forward to a future hope. Apart from the cross, there is no hope. But now because of the cross, because the God-man died there, because the Lamb died there, 
we have hope. Hope. We have forgiveness of our sins in Him. We are no longer estranged from our God by those sins, for they are forgiven. He paid the debt. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He settled all of our accounts. He set us free. He finished it all. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, lifted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What is happening on that cross? A man is dying. A lamb is dying. And hope is blooming. Well, thankfully, the story didn't end with the cross. Three days later, a day that we're going to commemorate on Easter Sunday, that dying man lived. That dying lamb rose from the grave. The hope got real. For because he lived and lives, we can live too forever. Hope. I wonder, do you have it? Do you have it? The Bible says it is yours forever if you want it. Forgiveness from sin forever. Salvation from hell forever. Life forever. Yours. If you want it. If you want it. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it. Every piece of the puzzle was now in place. Every penalty was now satisfied. Every debt was now repaid by that dying lamb on that cross. His part was done. But if you want to have that hope, you have to play a part too. you got to believe it. And you have to receive it. It is a gift to you. And a gift is only yours if you receive it. So what is happening on that cross? A man is dying, a lamb is dying, a hope is blooming for you. And now if you have never done so, you need to kneel in that blood-soaked ground at the foot of that cross. And you need to believe. And you need to talk to him. And you need to say, Lord Jesus, I do believe. And I accept the gift that you died there to give me. I mentioned earlier that the taking of communion is a picture of what happened on the cross. Before he died, his, Jesus told his disciples to do that thing, this, this communion service that we, we do. And he told them to do it as a memorial of his death. And so we do that. We do it often in this church. We do it every Lord's Day. And we're going to do it in just a few minutes. Quartet can make their way to the front right now as, as I finish up. And the elders that are going to help can come to the front. We're going to sing one final song tonight. And at the conclusion of that, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we're going to do it as we have done it before on Good Friday. And that's uh, a little bit different than normal. If you wish to partake in communion tonight, I'm going to ask you to do this. After we conclude our song, uh, the elders are going to take their place in the front. And if you want to, you can just make your way down the center aisle and receive communion here at the front. You can either take it right there, or you can take the bread and the juice back to your seat. Take it there. Take as long as you want. Spend as much time thinking about that cross as you want. But let's do it that way tonight. Up the center aisle, down the side aisles. And that will be the end of our service at that point. So I'm going to ask if, uh, if, you're, com- if you're done and you've, you've completed your communion time, uh, just make your way out quietly. That door, not that one. And I'm going to ask you, please, don't congregate downstairs and talk, because that might drift up here as well. Let's just remember the cross and disperse quietly.
Amen.